Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Korean Life, episode number nine. Today's podcast is brought to you by Uncle Veggie. Are you tired of eating the same greasy takeout food you've been ordering every day? Switch it up, if even only for a few times a week, to get some greens in you. Check out Ulsan's only fresh daily salad delivery. Uncle Veggie offers a variety of healthy salads delivered right to your door or school or office or car. Or if you're in the park enjoying a nice picnic, he'll bring it there too. All salads are made to order daily. Get fit and get your fill of crisp mixed greens, proteins, and seasonal fruits. Most of us are one fried dumpling away from popping a button off of our shirts. Let's do ourselves a favor and clean up our diets a bit. You can visit Uncle Veggie on Instagram to see some of their delicious concoctions and to place an order via direct message. Or you can call 010-5669-3681 for more details. Go green with Uncle Veggie. One more time, that phone number is 010-5669-3681. This podcast is also brought to you by JJ's. JJ's is Ulsan's favorite expat hangout north of the river. Patrick and June serve up cold drinks and delicious pub food daily. Their famous poutine is the only one of its kind in Ulsan. Wednesday is burger night with resident chef Tony Rowell at the grill whipping up some tasty burgers. Now, guys and girls, enough with the fast food burgers. It's killing you. You know what's in those, right? 30% grade B meat, 70% elbows and toncos. <laughs> Do yourself a favor and get some fresh 100% ground beef burgers at JJ's every Wednesday. What else do you have going on on Wednesday anyways? Huh? Hot shot? <laughs> anyways, visit JJ's on Facebook to find out more about their upcoming parties and events. Uh, today's episode features Tony Rowell, the chef at JJ's. Uh, Tony's a British native who moved to Ulsan a few years ago to start a new chapter in his life. He's integrated well in the foreign community here. He is now helping run the Ulsan Foreigners Market and the top chef at JJ's, uh, where he's cooking up the best specialty burgs in town. Uh, Tony sheds light on his life in England, uh, his transition to Korea, and what keeps him staying here. He plans on staying here for a while. so um, He also gives insights on how he defines home um, and also the future of the Ulsan Foreigners Market and his choice for jj's best burger give it a listen guys lots of uh lots of gems in here enjoy you are now tuned into this korean life with your hosts brian and nate hello and welcome to another episode of this korean life joining us today is tony roel That'll do. How's the how's the pronunciation? Uh, it's, it's actually Raoul, but Raoul, Raoul? Oh. Raoul's good enough. I'm, I'll take oh, it. I called the, the American pronunciation he gave you there. Yeah, that's <laughs> I've been called a lot worse. So. Anyways, you uh, you made it here today on a on an absolutely steaming Tuesday uh, Tuesday morning. You showed up. We had to we had to cool you down before we uh, before we started. Yeah, ungodly hour. It, oh, is this too early for you? Y yeah, well, I, I'm not a great one for getting to bed early at night, so I think uh, it was maybe. I tried really hard to go to bed early, but it was about three o'clock. Three o'clock? Oh, yeah. Jesus and being old, I literally have to uh, spend an hour just getting my body in a position where it's going to actually move like a human body. <laughs> <laughs> so I was up at, I was up at uh, maybe six, 
fifty this morning. Ah, oh, okay, getting okay. Some coffee in and uh, getting ready. Getting some coffee in. Getting ready for the big podcast. Yeah. Were you uh, last night before bed? Were you working on your uh, on your new recipes for JJ's? <laughs> I uh, is this is this when the when the creativity comes out? No, most of that comes out during the day. Mm. You're obviously talking about burger burger night. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Bergen. I, I tell you, the actual uh, Bergen night came about just as a me and Patrick were having a conversation one quiet Friday night in the bar, JJ's bar, by the way, in case you don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, get the plug we'll, in we'll, early. Get the plug in early. We'll, 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 uh, that'll be on the ads earlier in the. But um, so yeah, it was a case of looking at the weekdays and weekdays in bars over here, pretty much are dead nights most of the time. Absolutely. So uh, it's to be all you know. What do you think we should we could do to get people in? And it's just like let's do a burger night. Hmm. You know, there's enough. I always thought wing nights because at home that's that's what we get. You know, when we're young is wing night. I remember ten cent wings at uh, a couple of the places and Smitty's was the best. And the casino always had ten cent wings. Then they went up to twenty five cent, and now I think when I go home, I think they're fifty or seventy five. Which I don't know if it's feasible anymore. But man, the old ten cent wing nights—you go with ten bucks, man, you were full. Hmm couple pitchers of beer it was great and i i don't know if they're not affordable here or what the deal is but i always thought a wing night would be great and i think shilly has one right yeah she sells wings but yeah she does wings on every day of the week he's got wings on his menu permanently Mm. but see the problem is it's korea and yeah i like (laughs) chicken you're gonna chicken's not gonna make someone go oh wow let's go and eat some chicken absolutely because we're in Korea where you can literally get chicken okay maybe not wings but right. there is places in, already to get wings and and what I, I always I get, and this is going to sound a bit crazy but I'm not a big fan of burgers that's not my go-to food <laughs> yeah. believe it or not it's not my go-to food but if I'm gonna have a burger I want a decent burger hmm. and do you guys remember Toolbox in Songnam Dong? Yeah, yeah absolutely so, well that obviously closed I think twice there was two incarnations yeah, right, but the burgers there were really good mm. yeah, and they used to regularly sell out of burgers but not obviously enough to, to warrant running the burger place as a Absolutely. business because I think that's that's the problem with burger restaurants which is why you see so many let's call them gourmet burger restaurants that appear are popular for a while and then they go in, in Korea it's probably more feasible to, to have burgers as a part of as a part of uh, a business, not its own, not its own entity. Yeah, I remember, I remember really criticizing one. <clears throat> there was one restaurant, Seuya. So it was the whole restaurant was based on shrimp. And my thing was, you can't run a restaurant just on shrimp. You can't. Uh, but that, but that's that's Korea. They do run it like that. They run it just on kamjatang. Oh, they yeah. run it that, just on d- noodles. They run it just on. And I mean, these guys sell one thing, and they make a fortune. The the one the dejigupa. Yeah, but I don't think Koreans have. A, uh, I don't. I don't know if they distinguish between uh, a gourmet burger and a McDonald's. But when they think burger, that's probably just one thing in their head, right? That's just one one item in their head. I'm going for a burger. I'm going to McDonald's. I don't know if. Oh, I, I agree. The McDonald's burger would win out nine times out of ten just on mm. practicality. Mm. I don't know if if you can get one for for two bucks or three bucks. Why are you going to go pay ten? You know, you're hitting a totally different demographic. I think. We, yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. It was it wasn't a case of trying to compete with McDonald's because mm. that's not what we do. The burgers are all you know, I hand make all the yeah, patties yeah. and everything, come up with recipes for and, what I want in the burger and cool names and cool names. Yeah, yeah obviously <laughs> I have the cool names. That's the um, 
the, the marketing thing. Give, it, mm. give something a cool name, then yeah. it grabs people's attention. Yeah. They might and, not like what's in it, but <laughs> you'll get their attention. <laughs> and and on a Wednesday night, that's a good way to to break up the week. You know, you've had a it's hump day. You've had a few. You know, Monday and Tuesday are always uh, yeah. always a drag. Looking forward to something on Wednesday. It's a good way to break up the week. Meet some buddies down at the down yeah. at the bar. And, and also, you know, the reason it got turned. It, we set it up as a night. People don't want to eat burgers every night of the week, you know. And if you you you, you set up one night where people go, I can get a good burger, hmm. and I can get a good burger, and I can get a burger and beer set for twelve dollars, which isn't bad. Yeah. When you you know, the reality is, if you saw the amount of time and effort myself and June put into that burger night happening, yeah. I can make more money busking in Grand Park. But I, <laughs> I don't play an instrument and I can't sing. So that, you know, that kind of sure. tells you, I like to think we're providing a service for the community. It's a, I, I would <laughs> like to link that to the, to the foreign market too. You put yeah. a lot of, you put a lot of, a lot of effort into your. Yeah. I, no one's going to retire out of what they make at the foreigner market. But it's been, you know what I mean? It's part of the, uh, it's part of the community, community building thing. And without people like yourself and Kay who run the, who run the market, it wouldn't, you know, the Wilson wouldn't be as special as special as it is. But I think going out for a quiet beer or something on a, on a Wednesday night, that's a place. And if you get, like you say, the set and you get a burger and a, a beer and some good socialization time, then then it's good. Yeah, I mean, and 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 the reason for doing it, as I say, was just to was a bit more than just providing the service. Let's be honest, because mm. it's a business that's got to make money. But the um, it's it's achieved what we wanted to achieve, which was to get people out on a night of the week where. You'd literally get no one. Yeah. You know, they'd open the bar or June would open the bar um, and she'd be on her own until she closed the bar. You know, Which yeah. is why a couple of the other local bars are only open like three days a week. Yeah. Because they are, they're so slow. It's not even worth paying the part-time guy to be there. Right. Those hours. Yeah. I haven't been able to get down. You know, we have kids and oh, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. we're busy and it's not easy, especially on a Wednesday night. But how, how busy is it down there? Oh, wow. Hold your finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. It's there's no this, and this is this is a bit of a I say it's a problem. We can sometimes sell. I think the least burgers we've ever sold one night was ten. Okay, and the most was uh, thirty something. No way. Yeah. I I'm just I'm just curious because when I came, maybe it's it's I don't know what the ratio of hagwon to public school teachers is, and maybe the fact that they start early in the morning plays a role. But when I started my first two or three years. We went bowling religiously every single Tuesday. And we would finish. We'd eat dinner at 9 or 9.30 with copious amounts of alcohol. And then we'd go to the 7-Eleven and we'd mix our own. And we'd go bowling till 2 in the morning. And then we'd go back to Tombstone and we'd drink till 4 or 5 in the morning. Mm. But that was... We could have groups of 10, 15, 20 people out. And we used to go to that meat restaurant every single Tuesday for years. And I just wonder... Do the foreigners not get out so much now on the weeknights, or are they just there's so many other things and places to visit and do that they don't? I mean, there wasn't that many foreigners around back in 2004, um, so there was a good group of us that met, you know, weekly. But that's the thing. I think with more foreigners, there's more groups. Maybe it's more uh, more segregated. And you guys, there was even when I came, there was less than a hundred, probably less than a hundred teachers here that really hung out and. You know, if you got a group of twenty together, everyone kind of felt, you know, felt as uh, as part of the group. But. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe the even in the what maybe three years I've been here permanently now, I've noticed that they there's a lot more 
splinter I'm going to call them splinter groups yeah. But, yeah. but you see Fractions. a lot of groups of two or three that will always yeah. hang out together but don't know and, and they'll visit CAFs and do the sort of things whereas when I first came over here there was a big group of foreigners even then and they all used to go to the same places mm. you know it would either be JJ's bar Seema or Sticky's yeah. um, and if they had really lost the will to live Thursday party you know it, it, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of how it that was, and I thought it was a really. I was, I was really impressed with the, you know, the way the foreign community kind of gelled and helped each other out. And I, I think that's, that seems to be changing to me. I yeah. think that whole thing, guys, you know, guys like yourselves have obviously got families to w- worry about. Hung up the jersey. As a, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people that were kind of key to that, or. Have, have since left the catalyst yeah, uh, and i think that's specific to teachers mm. but now i mean when i go out teachers are the least people that i see i see way more students and more well, factory workers and you know there's still the, the handful of engineers around but man is there a lot of students and i don't mean undergraduate i mean researchers phds masters mm. you know maybe mid-20s or, or late 20s but i see a ton of international teachers in town or teach international students. students in town and not so many you know western foreign teachers not anywhere near what it used to be and i think that's the demographic has changed so much in the last whatever five years yeah it's just, the teachers are the ones that are out there and or were out there um is that is time. that the main is that the main group that goes is that the main pull from uh, from jj's are you getting the getting uh, teachers or? it's mixed we tend to get I mean, we made a you know, it was a decision to open at six o'clock in the evening mm. was purely aimed at the Epic teachers. Okay, okay. Because they don't want to, you know, at eight o'clock at night, the Epic teachers have done their day. Ready, they're ready to they're pack it go. down and get ready for the yeah, next Yeah, and then you, we can, we kind of get, people will come in at six. So you get the Epic teachers coming in at six, sometimes 10, sometimes two, who knows? Ah. Just There's no thing. And then kind of goes a bit quiet between... Eight and nine thirty, and then of course you get the hog one mob come out and <laughs> the, the mob, the mob, <laughs> and uh, you know they're they're into the nice. burgers and beers at that point. Nice, nice. Were you? Um, where did you start cooking? I remember even like before you started burger, before you started burger night, you um, you were providing food services i guess for the for the market you sold your what do pastonis. You your pastonis yeah the tony pastonis the um you you were selling those where did you get into cooking like uh is this just a, a passion you have or yeah was that a previous job or well cooking was mainly i've always been interested ever since i was i maybe i don't know 16 hmm. i've always been interested in food cool um, when I was 16, you're talking nearly 40 years ago. So okay. food landscape was very, very different <laughs> to what what it is now. Um, the pe- the peas were not mushy yet? Oh, there was mushy peas. There's <laughs> always been mushy peas. Yeah. Greatest con job ever, mushy peas. <laughs> yeah. it's like, how can we get rid of this muck? <laughs> mash it up. No doubt. Call it mushy peas. But so, and at the age of 17, I ended up, my parents moved house and I didn't want to go with them. So at that age, I had to get my own place. Mm. Um, and I was, I was working by then. I kind of, I went to, um, I went to a very, very good school. Didn't have, I had a great time at school. <laughs> it wasn't their idea of what you were supposed to be at school for. So me and school yeah. kind of fell out when I was 16. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I went to um, college, like a technical college. Okay, yeah. Nothing to do with... Vocational. Coding. Yeah, nothing to do. It was construction okay, okay. technology course that I went on. Um, but anyway, so I lived on my own. And I, I could see all this food and this fine dining. And I, I had fine dining tastes, but like a street food budget. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of had to just... It was a case of if I want to try and eat these foods, I've got to learn how, how to make them. And believe me, there was an awful lot of stuff got thrown in the bin in the early days because unlike, we're talking pre-internet here. Yeah. So it wasn't like you could jump on YouTube or something and see a Exactly video. how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Let's make a roux. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A what? Yeah. A what now? Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, so I, I, it was a lot of trial and error and quite frankly, a lot of errors. And yeah. being a 17-year-old boy living on his own. Oh, one Lord. of the biggest problems with cooking was actually finding clean pans and stuff. Because, <laughs> you know, the kitchen used to be, it was not the tidiest place in the world. Yeah. You know, we found things in, one night we had a kettle. Uh, not, sorry, English, a teapot. A teapot. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, what's in there? And there was literally something in there moving that, that we'd left a, some tea in there. And it, yeah. it was crawling. Oh, no. <laughs> and that, you know, that's how bad it was. So, yeah. That was dealing with that as well. But as the years went on, I got married at the age of 23. I, sorry, cut you off there. I had, uh, the, had a uh, friend who used to go to the gym. He was he was 23 years old. And there was, a, I think there's maybe a 35-year-old man. And the 23-year-old said, hey, I'm getting married. The older guy said, why are you getting married? He goes, oh, I really love my wife. I'm ready to go. He goes, listen. What did you know about girls at 13 years old? Nothing. He goes, now, think about what you're going to know in 10 more years at 33. He goes, and then make your decision. You can end up getting married. I don't know what happened to him. But yeah. Maybe some sound advice. <laughs> yeah, history proves that. There is, um, anyway, I got married at 23. Mm. So mm-hmm. I found someone to do the washing up and clean the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Take the rats out of my, out of my teapot. But, um, but I always, I was too busy working to, um, you know, De- dedicate yourself. Yeah. yeah. But cooking was always there. It's always something I wanted to do and every opportunity I mm. got to cook, which is normally sort of Sundays or weekends. So how did you used to get the, I mean, there was no internet. So what did you used to read books or go to yeah, the library? Or we had books. How did you used to find your <laughs> books in those days? It was, uh, we did have books. Card catalog. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. And, I, and it, it actually, there was quite, a lot of cooking programs on TV back in the UK in those oh, no days. Again, my nonna used to have her own cooking show. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice. Is yeah. that a, for real? For real, hundred percent. Yeah. Was she before or after Pasquale's Kitchen? <laughs> Pasquale's <laughs> Kitchen. You know Pasquale's Kitchen? Never heard of it. Oh, dude. We've hilarious. got a comedian. Just sorry. To say, well, there's a comedian in the UK called Joe Pasquale, and I'm really hoping it's nothing to do with him. No, no, because he's, <laughs> he's just the most the, annoying. The three, the, the three world. big ones when I was young was Pasquale's Kitchen. Yeah. There was uh, an Asian guy, and he it was called Walk with Yan, nice. but W W O K. Yeah. And every <laughs> every time he had a different. Uh, he had a different apron on with a walk joke, like walk yeah. with me, talk with me, yeah. something like this. And then there was the urban, the urban chef who just was a disaster guy, just threw stuff everywhere. He was really dirty, okay. bearded, bearded fella. But No, this, Nona, Nona passed away five years ago when, when Gina was born. So she was a hundred. 
Um, so this would have probably been way before any of the shows you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, sound probably. Good lord, what was it like? A, a local TV station? Would yeah, Thunder Bay. She had her own cooking show. Jeez. I don't know all the details. It, it was in the. I mean, it was ages and ages ago. But you yeah, probably, I can get them if you want. I was going to say you probably find it on YouTube yeah. somewhere. Yeah, you can I'll, find I'll, anything on YouTube. I'll link it to the podcast if I find it. <laughs> Nate's known a Thunder Bay. Yeah, Check so it, out. so I, I, it was just a, a passion that I had to fulfill and coming over here i then had the time you know my best friend used to uh spend quite a lot of time cooking whenever we could together mm. and it was we'd just always make up you know make crazy things and yeah. buy fresh produce and everything and uh, and, and and cook like uh, when i came over here it just gave it gave me kind of a freedom and then there was a different set of problems that obviously finding ingredients over here is is a challenge but that's kind of quite an interesting challenge and and certainly apparently it's a lot better now than it was five oh, years ago oh, absolutely yeah do yeah. you predominantly stick to british or european food or do you kind of venture out and um you have any I, korean dishes you cook now uh, no and you know my friends back home say oh so you cook in korean food it's like well no what's the point you know, you can get good Korean food for next to nothing Everywhere. at about 100 places within two minutes walk from where I live. Why I'm am I going to spend time learning that? If I was going back to do something foodie in the UK or somewhere else in Europe, I guess I'd learn to cook Korean dishes because that's sure. you know, something you can take and use. Mm. But yeah, cooking Korean food in Korea, why? Yeah. It's just, there's no point. Absolutely. And, and everything Korean food-wise just... From when I've looked at it, it just seems like if you're not making a 10 gallon bucket full of it, it's it, kind it's of a waste. Very labor intensive. Yeah, and Absolutely. it's not cost effective. Yep. You know, you have to buy so many ingredients. Yep. Like I say, when you can get really good stuff for three bucks down the road. I um, I couldn't agree more when you say that cooking is, you almost feel free when you're doing it. When when you ask an older Korean guy, the, they view the cooking as a very laborious, oh, this is difficult. I don't want to do it. I'm tired from work. When I'm Personally, when I'm cooking, like you said, on a, on a Sunday, if I'm making bread, if I'm cooking pasta or whatever, whatever I'm making, it's when I'm chopping the vegetables, when I'm kneading the dough, that's a full relaxation, uh, you know, not thinking about work or not thinking about anything else. It's a really, I can get into it. I'm very focused on the, on the task, really living in the moment as I, as I cook. I truly enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, For me, it's, it's, uh, and it's, uh, Difficult to explain. Sam will sometimes ask me, do you mind cooking? You know, and I go, I'll cook tonight. Yeah. And she'll say, well, do you mind? And I was like, mind? Yeah. This is my enjoyment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually, you know, I, I get enjoyment out of cooking. Oh. And I think it's, it's sorry, it does the kind of... eating, obviously. Either, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just seeing something from... Um, you know, from start to finish, you you're looking at the raw vegetables. You're and you're you're creating uh, something that you can consume. Just seeing that, you know, from start to finish within an hour or so. Even I, I get pleasure. It sounds stupid, but out of doing the dishes, there here's the task. You know, you clean the dishes, boom, and now it's done. Mm. You get some satisfaction or fulfillment from. I haven't from reached that. that stage yet. But <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do them a lot, but I, it's all about perspective. Yeah, not, not my favorite. I, I prefer the cooking and eating, but um, I probably cook about eighty percent of the food in my place, which is very unconventional for a for a Korean family. Mm. Where the woman cooks probably, I would say ninety more than ninety percent in most cases. Um, but even I find here, lots of the young kids don't know how to cook. 
the middle school, the high school kids, you know, egg fry, ramyeon, and maybe bokumbap or something. But man, I remember being young and, you know, we could make sure that we cooked something we wanted because, you know, dad wasn't the first one home and going to make something we didn't want. We could get on it first and make something we really enjoyed. Um, I'm not saying, I mean, dad made some good goulashes and stuff, but yeah, we learned from a young age watching, you know, Nona and mom and we all loved cooking. I think my brothers both cook a lot. My my sisters cook, and and we do really enjoy it. But very very foreign concept in Korea here for the for the men to be and enjoy cooking. Mm. It was something that struck me when I first came over here. In certainly around Europe and definitely the UK, you go to most sort of restaurants, however big small they are. You normally find the chef is is a bloke. As a, it's a guy who's a chef, mm. and over here. It was the opposite, you know. It was women that were always the chef, and if it was a family room restaurant, the, I'm guessing the the husband would be serving tables or yeah, he runs the manager, or, yeah. or running the show. He's at the cash machine. That's all he does. Yeah, and, but it's all, it's always seems to be the the female in the kitchen. And it's funny that you say that. We were out at Jenna Beach there a couple of weeks ago, and we went to the same place that Brian and I went to after uh, one of the beach cleanups there. But I didn't recognize it the first time I went. But the next time I went, the, the, that was a very, very busy place. And when I, it just hit me that there's three men working in the kitchen. And there, there wasn't a woman in the restaurant. I mean, there was, there was three men cooking, doing the cash, taking orders, everything. And I, I remember thinking, wow, this is really odd. I've never seen three guys work so hard in the kitchen before. Because it just wasn't, it's, it's just mm. not normal here. But yeah, when my wife's friends come over, they're always, they either, they like to, they like to order food or... They want to have, you know, something that I can make. And, and they think it's like Outback or something like it's going to a foreign restaurant because I'll, <laughs> make, I'll make some food that, you know, they would get there, chicken parma or some kind of pasta or whatever. But they're always surprised. And they go, does he always cook or does he always clean up? And, oh, and he makes dessert. And they're always shocked. And then they give their husbands the nudge. <laughs> and the husbands don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it like- but it creates a problem, right? Like, like you guys say, you enjoy it. I also, I love it. And I love cooking for other people mm. as long as it's not every day. Um, but yeah, if it was every other weekend having people over and cooking, I love it. But it creates major problems when the, the wives are nudging their husbands saying, come on, see, you can do like this. You, and they say, well, that's not fun to go there because my wife hates me after that. Yeah. And, and yeah, you become the and they might think, <laughs> guy. They might like, think that, you you're, do that? <laughs> that you're showing off, but it, it's not. I just I really do enjoy cooking. Yeah. So it does create some problems. When I when Tony was young, when you got the very young baby, we made a transition from Saturday nights going to the bar and we would invite people. I think there was a, a span of three or four months where every Saturday we had someone come over and I really it's the same same feeling. You know, creating something, enjoying a meal together. It's a it's a one of life's little pleasures, man. That's it's nice. Yeah, and it and it's I don't know whether it's gone out of fashion or it's coming back, but you don't see it enough. I mean, it, I know it's an old cliche, but families just don't seem to sit down and have that one meal a week. You know, growing, when I was growing up, Sunday um, nights. there was always, you know, every Sunday, whatever happened, we would sit down as a family yeah. and yeah. eat a meal. Us too. That was non-negotiable. Yeah. That, that was it. Yeah. yeah. You, you, there was no parcel, you know, away from that. You, yeah. If you were in the country, Absolutely. you were there. <laughs> I grew up with them. Um, I was actually quite quite into my twenties uh, when I found out that my mum used to do this dish, and I was never sure about it. Mm. But and and she'd just tell me it was chicken because 
Because you'll eat chicken. kind of look like chicken. Because you're not eating liver it, and onions. But it was also... I love liver and onions. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and it was always... Just always was tough. Even at that sort of young age, yeah. I knew that this chicken tasted tough. Yeah. And... And, and I was, yeah. I've had so many of those experiences. Yeah. He was the bully. And she said, yeah. "Yeah, she said it's um, it's a, it's called a boiler boiling chicken that you just you know it's a little bit tougher because it's a bit older, but it's cheaper." And and I I, I was brought up for the longest time with my parents were divorced. Oh, okay, yeah. when I was eight years old. So yeah, but um, so I, I and I respected the fact that you know she didn't have any money, any spare money. Yeah, didn't have any money, let alone spare money. Um, and it wasn't until I found I found out in my twenties that she, it was actually rabbit. Yeah. And at the time, rabbit was like super cheap and easy to get. And she used to know a guy at work that used to shoot rabbits, and he'd give her a rabbit. So it was even Ooh. rabbit. But I had a pet rabbit as well. At the yeah. time, which is why she never told me? <laughs> ah, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's rabbit. Oh my god. <laughs> Where's next? Where's, where's Twinkles? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. How's your dinner? Well, <laughs> funny you say the, the random meat stories there. I just talked to my buddy last night. I'm going home in two days. And uh, we got a barbecue lined up at my sister's for the Saturday. And buddy's going to come up from Toronto. And he said, what do you want me to bring? And I said, oh, I'll talk to my sister. I'll get back to you. And he said, listen, I got a freezer full of meat. Why don't I bring some some moose, moose meat? And I can bring a roast if you want. I can bring whatever. And uh, he goes, I got bear too. I might be able to find some deer in there. And we used to go hunting a lot when... Mm. You know, when we were in high school and university together, we worked together all the time. We loved the outdoors and we ate a lot of a lot of wild meat. But he said, uh, OK, I'll, I'll bring some bear burgers and some moose steaks. <laughs> and he goes, how much should I? I said, listen, I don't know how many people are into. I don't know at home. It's a certain person that's into that meat, right? Mm-hmm. It's not everybody. And uh, I said, you know, I don't know how many people are going to enjoy it. Don't bring the whole freezer because I don't want to waste it. And uh, I know he puts a lot of time and effort into his meat and he does it all himself. So I said, just, you know, bring a few burgers and a couple steaks and me and I, one of my cousins on the carnivore diet there. So I know he'll be into it and he's a little bit wild with the food. Um, and I asked my daughters, I said, anybody want to try some uh, moose steak or a bear burger? And my oldest daughter says, oh, that's not going to be good. She doesn't even know what a moose is. Mm-hmm. But my youngest daughter says, oh, daddy, daddy, I want some, I want some. I said, okay, good. And I hope that I can tell them it's a beef burger and they're going to try it. And, you know, they, they trick me here with the with the dog soup. And, you know, with half the things I eat here, they tell me it's something different. So <coughs> hopefully my daughters will get an experience there with a bear burger or a, or a moose steak when we go back. Is bear uh, gamey meat? Like, uh, like when you, I don't like just, if I eat deer, I don't like just uh, a deer steak, or I like uh, honey garlic deer sausage or something like this. What about when you're when you're uh, <clears throat> when you're eating bear? What is a? I th- I think that's everybody. To me, I can tell. I can. I think I can usually tell all of those. Like you say, you just know it's not. Mm. You know it's not beef or it's not pork, so you know it's something different. You might not know what it is, but you know it's different. Um, but I think the rest is down to the sauces and the spices and stuff. I mean, yeah, meat, meat. you can kind of cover up anything, right? Yeah, mm. meat is meat in its its kind of purest form is going to pretty much taste of whatever that piece of meat eats when it's alive. You know, the, the taste of of meat is governed by what their diet is when they're alive. Okay. Once you start putting sauces on it, it becomes you know 
the sausage. Yeah. Yeah. Because he likes the honey garlic deer sausage, but that's like me liking the, the chocolate covered caramel grasshoppers in Thailand. Mm. I mean, he's got nothing to do once, with the grasshoppers. No, once you cover it in chocolate <laughs> and caramel, I mean, it's not a grasshopper anymore. Yeah. So, didn't you eat a scorpion when we went? Yeah, I've had, I've had all of those oh. crazy ones, but that's what I mean. Once they're caramelized or, you know, we used to, we used to eat a lot of bugs in when I was living in Ghana and, once you chop them up and fry them, and with the onions and garlic and peppers, it you don't could be anything. Yeah, sure. It's just a, it's just a transport for so, whatever you put with it. And, yeah. and I think most people don't just eat, you know, a big hunk of bear or a big hunk of <laughs> moose or something. You know, it, it is seasoned and it's you yeah. know. So I don't I don't think in that way you say taste gamey. I don't think any of it's supposed to taste gamey. The people who say I don't like seafood, I, I don't think you've had properly prepared seafood. Because no. It's not supposed to smell like uh, like Jagauchi Fish Market, right? And when yeah. when you go to the seafood restaurants here, yeah. nothing tastes like seafood. I mean, it, the texture is different for sure, but the taste is amazing. With a little wasabi and soy sauce, I mean, I think it's all great. But yeah, it shouldn't taste like that. No, no, fish shouldn't smell. That's the thing. That's the point. If fish smells, then don't, don't eat it. Literally. That's what I was, you know, has always been told to me. If fish it's, smells, if it smells fishy. Yeah, I mean, if you get that fishy smells, you know. <laughs> Sound advice. Didn't have you down as a pedant. <laughs> uh, anyways, JJ's has the the burger night tomorrow. If you could recommend your, or if you could choose your personal uh, personal favorite burger. My personal favorite burger is actually, has only been on the menu once, and it was an Italian. It was, um, I made the patties with using, um, spices and stuff that i would put in a bolognese sauce okay or most of them because some of them you just can't get over here but it's pretty much a a patty based like as if it was a bolognese sauce stuff that patty with parmesan cheese and then put on top some um more parmesan cheese um and with like a really good uh tomato sauce on it and that for me was my favorite burger awesome uh the most popular burger was i guess is that customers paid for and liked it's a close one between uh the one we called the shroom which was heavily mushroom based yeah. although it hadn't it wasn't a veggie one it was, and i guess the mexican and the texan i think are the two cool two, i'm curious what what do you make of the of let's say the classic american hamburger is that something you, and i don't mean fast food i mean you know, your bacon, lettuce, tomato, onions. Do you enjoy that or do you prefer something with a little twist? I don't. I As I said. You said you don't I, like burgers. Well, it's not, <laughs> it's not I don't like burgers. I just don't eat. Like, I never eat a burger on burger night. Mm. Um, I never cook burgers for myself. I'll occasionally go out and have a burger. Mm. Um, I'll eat at McDonald's and just hate myself for <laughs> 10 days afterwards. <laughs> But I don't think there's anything wrong with a basic burger. I mean, we mm. do JJ's Classic, which is just, it's a burger patty, it's tomatoes, it's onions, it's cheese, and it's bacon. Mm. You know, your kind of basic standard fair yeah. burger. Yeah, what's not to like about it? Absolutely. I, I love them. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I also, I also do now enjoy the creativity, and, and you know, YouTube has inspired a ton of different kinds of cooks and chefs and, mm. and lots of different unique fusion foods and mm. I love when they mix kimchi in or they make the kimchi galbi whatever burger or any of that fusion stuff I, I really enjoy to get you know some different flavors but it's just not what you expect 
Yeah. So I, I when when I coming up with the burger choices for for burger night, it's my process is what do I like to eat? Mm. You know, what meals do I like to eat? And then it's can I somehow make that into a cohesive burger? Yeah. Because because there's no point in just taking a load of things and throwing them inside a bun with a beef patty because it's got to work together. Yeah. You know, I sound like a right food snob now, but you you know you put. So I I wouldn't put kimchi in a burger just to make it go. Oh, look, fusion. It's a kimchi, yeah. It's it's got to oh, be in there for, for a reason. Sure, yeah. It's got to work with mm. with what it is. But again, yeah, just do people really want a kimchi burger in Korea? Probably not. No, <laughs> I, I I would almost guarantee if I made a, some kind of kimchi burger, it's not going to be a similar. listen. Make one, and we'll release this. We'll release this episode in two months and <laughs> well, see, see how it does. Yeah, but what's the, anyone, the ones, anyone wants me to make a kimchi burger? Just let me know. <laughs> what What's the ones that took off at home? The kimchi fish tacos or the something? The kimchi taco, yeah. Kimchi tacos? Yeah. And I mean, they, now they're they're absolutely insane. I, just, just, I understand it because kimchi is, like, is, is just such a big deal in Europe because it's seen as a health food and... Recently, and, and, right? Yeah, but but that's... But what, you know, that's that's there. Like, you wouldn't set up a bolognese restaurant in Milan. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally everyone knows how to make it. They're going to make it at home. Yeah. So... Again, you know, for me, that's why, kim, you know, kimchi, what, why, what people really sure. want kimchi in a burger? You, speaking of strange things on burgers, I, what I found strange, you mentioned toolbox earlier. Yeah. When I went there, the, the fried egg on top of the burger. Yeah. it's. I, I think it goes good, but I never thought about putting a, a fried egg on my Is burger. Is that a British thing? But I know no, it's I think very it's popular a, in Australia. Australia, yeah. Yeah. Um, we do, I did a burger called The Brunch, and that's got fried egg in it. Oh, okay. It's, it's like, it's, it's, again, it's what I would eat 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning yeah. after a good night on the beer. Cool. In my brunch, which is breakfast, lunch yeah. time. You know, you got meat, Eggs, bacon, yeah. mushrooms, fried, fried egg. And let's put a hollandaise sauce on it as well, just because. No maple syrup? <laughs> Weirdos. <laughs> well, you say that, that kimchi is getting big in Europe. I mean, they just I just saw last week or two weeks ago, they opened that Puma One plant in the States, the kimchi factory. Mm. Because, and I think 4,000 or 5,000 supermarkets, two different chains. Uh, I don't know if it was Basic Foods or somebody else, but anyway, uh, Walmart and somebody else, Basic Foods, I think. But anyways, five thousand uh, stores will be selling fresh kimchi. Yeah, it is, it is. Now, so. and the fact you said kimchi factory just breaks my heart a little bit because you know I know the amount of people that want to eat food in the world. We it's always going to end up being industrialized. But that to me is I just oh god, what's that going to be like? Can you imagine but it does, some Korean grandma going over there and trying that, <laughs> and they'd just be like. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like my Nona coming here and trying pasta bono spaghetti for $4 covered in ketchup. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, that, yeah. and that's what they think is really good pasta. And then, yeah. you know, when they go to Italy on tour and they have real pasta and they go, this isn't good because it's not what you've eaten for 10 years in Korea yeah. as, you know, what you think is pasta. So, Well, to be honest with you, back in the UK, the first time I had fresh pasta, mm. I wasn't keen on it. I, I was like, I'm not sure I really mm. see the point of this. But then, you know, you get used to it. And now I make my own pasta. I was just going to ask, yeah, do you make your own? Yeah. Basically what? Egg uh, egg yolks and, just and egg flour? flour? Yeah, yeah, straight up. Do you have to use semolina flour or do you just use the regular? No, I just, I just use the regular bread flour. 
the kang the yeah. the one that you showed me for for yeah. that you make bread with yeah oh, interesting i i found recently <clears throat> even my wife we hadn't when we were in canada we were eating you know the the freshly made pasta but when we came back here the other day i made some uh, some pesto mm-hmm. and just boiled those costco um what is it like the the organic rigatoni or whatever they sell that pack of six uh, yeah and man i can't i find it hard to digest that pasta so i gotta start i think i'm gonna start making my own uh, my own noodles so but it's ridiculously it's really easy and mm. you can see why it's was popular because mm. it's just so easy to make all right if you want to start making fancy shapes and all of that yeah. then it's a bit more of a time investment but for you just make straight up pasta it's just like oh, huh. you have the uh, yeah little yeah, crank machine bought me a, a pasta roller for Good investment on her My part. Birthday. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Sam, if you're listening, but I think you did that on purpose. <laughs> it's like it's like Homer buying a bowling ball for his wife. Yeah, <laughs> on her uh, on her birthday. Nice, very good, very good. So, anyways, you're um, now now you're in Korea. When did you uh, get here? I think three years ago. Was that your first time? No, I'll, three years I'll, ago. I'll I'll tell you the story. All right. I'll give. Well, I, I won't. I'll give you a, a diluted version of the story. Okay. Um, in 2014, um, my marriage kind of fizzled out. 28 years. I mean, I. My parents made it 27. Yeah, you got you got, I, you got I one went, on them. I went, <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of different reasons. And yeah. I, we're kind of not friends anymore, but we don't really hate each other. No. Um, and back back then. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts through a mutual friend of a friend. I listened to a podcast that Sam was doing. I kind of I just really liked her voice. And so I, you know, had had my people contact her people and sent one of my PR guys over to, no, that's, a lot of, <laughs> that's absolutely nonsense. So I did the usual thing and tagged her in a post on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's what you do these days, apparently. Yeah. Um, anyway, we kind of got talking and a few messages, that went on for, I don't know, two months. Started Skyping each other. And I was going on a trip to Europe. I Like, coming out the back of this marriage, I just mm. wanted some... Freedom. Some, some time away. Yeah. So I decided I was going to go and... I, was, I, I had, a like, a van, which I turned into a makeshift camper van. Ooh. Um, thought, I'm just going to head off to Europe for however long. Living the dream. Yeah, well, it seemed like that. Yeah. But actually... And as time went on, we got had more and more in contact. And then, so that was July, August, September 2015. And I just, off the cuff, said to her, I said, oh, I'm doing this trip. You can come if you want. Okay. Because she's, <laughs> she's in Korea and yeah. I'm in England. So, yeah, of course that's going to work. Yeah. Um, and anyway, she said, all right. So I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wasn't the answer I was expecting. But hey, you know, yeah, yeah. let's find out. If you're gonna to get to know someone, spending a month driving around Europe in a, oh, I think that was neat. What, what is I think you Americans call is basically a minivan that was yeah. You know, it wasn't a big RV or anything. This was a my work van that you I can converted. you can learn lots from a person by traveling, right? Well, we went, um, you know, France. We spent some time in the UK, um, France, Italy, Austria. Kind of did this big loop through Europe. Cool. Where is she from? She's oddly enough. She is from England, and she used to live, and I didn't know her, mm. um, but she used to live probably about 15 miles from where I was living. Wow. Yeah. So wow. we're kind of from the same area. Cool. <laughs> but we spent, we spent, as I say, a month cooped up in this van, traveling thousands of miles. 
always good to have an announcement. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> so North, I think that's a North Korea. Yeah, I was going to say. North Korea is invading cause, cause my, announcement. Because my, my Korean is so bad. I just sit and I hear the announcements at our apartment block. I'm like, the, should I go somewhere? Is that started <laughs> That started the other day with a typhoon. And then they've been announcing that... Um, They've been announcing that it's it's really hot. We should stay. We should stay inside with the with the aircon. Uh, good but pool. You remember? Sorry. Remember when the in our old places over there when the garbage truck used to drive up and down the the garbage truck would drive up and down the up and down the street with really loud blasting speakers, just announcing. I, I don't know what they were saying, but I thought it was North Korea. The first time I woke up hungover on a Sunday, just like what is that? Or the man picking up computers and mm. computer, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. electronics. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This morning, the tomato lady. Oh, <laughs> in Oakdong, she's brutal. Eh? Yeah, that lady's terrible. Tomato. Tomato, eh? <laughs> just screaming at seven thirty in the morning. Yeah. Terrible. Anyway, sorry, Tony. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, we cut a long story short. We spent a month in a van. We had not one crossword or argument in that whole time, and we were we had some like situations where you would end up ripping each other's throat out. Mm. Normally, where's my wallet, Sam? Well, I don't see. Oh, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you throw your shoes and socks out of the van please because they're just <laughs> choking me they're even drowning out the smell of this lovely french brie um so we had a really good time it was really sad when it was over and she came to the uk for a month took a month off work yeah. and it was kind of then that sort of we both realized mm, okay so i came across to uh korea the first time in no october november 2015 for just three weeks Okay, to visit her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. And I, I, I was still working at that point. Yeah. Back yeah. I was working at my, my business back in that time. At that time. Yeah. And apart from being completely shocked of what I found in Korea, because my preconceptions of Korea <laughs> probably the same as ours. Well, my my knowledge, I, I feel really bad now. But yeah. my knowledge of Korea was based on. Do you remember the? TV series called Mash. Mash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was my vision of Korea. Just you know, I don't know why. I really don't know why, but it was just that stupid yeah. foreigner mentality. Yeah. And I arrived, and apart from the, the airport, I thought, "Wow, this is a really smart airport in Incheon." Yeah. Um, and then got to the city, and was just kind of a bit blown away by it. Mm. This is really something modern. And, yeah. And and I lived in I, I lived in um, the countryside mainly. I didn't come from the city, and I really I don't like London. I'm you know I'm not a city guy at all. I I like countryside. Yeah. You know, I, used to, I used to live at, in the Cotswolds. If you know the Cotswolds in in England is like just such a beautiful area. Yeah. So I wasn't really into cities, but what I found here is it's just a crazy city that you've got so much going on here you know there's mountains there's great parks there's rivers you can go to three different pretty good beaches all, and all within 30 minute drive right yeah and you've got all the main you know things you would expect in a city yeah and i kind of fell in love with the place a little bit yeah because it was just so different to anything i'd experienced yeah yeah and you know the transport system because obviously I I don't drive over here because mm. I can't because my visa doesn't allow it. Yeah, or well, you can't drive on a my UK license. I need to get an international driving permit for it to be. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but um, 
But the, but the, the point of it is, I don't need to. You know, public transport oh, in the fantastic. UK. One of the best places I've ever seen here. Yeah, public transport in the UK sucks. Yeah, same in Canada. And, and expensive. Inexpensive, yeah, yeah sure. exactly. So, you know, I've got my bus pass thing and... A dollar will bring you anywhere app. in the yeah. city, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, it, you know, it trains... Like, KTX is just amazing. It mm. arrives, you know, it leaves the station at the minute it says it's going to leave the station. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can get a booth sound in 22 minutes, you know. Yeah, uh, it just, well, yeah you get to get to Seoul in two, two and a half hours. It yeah. costs 40 Forty dollars or fifty dollars at the at the most. That's yeah. it's almost cheaper than uh, oh, not as cheap as driving. But uh, I mean, if if you drove up with a car full of people, but it's it's nice. Yeah. It's a good ride too. Nice, comfortable. Yeah. So after that, I you know I went back to the UK and then came back out again uh, in 2016 for another long extension. I kind of made up my mind. It's like oh, when everything sorted out. Mm. from the divorce and yeah. our house was all finally sold and yeah, yeah. shared out and everything I thought I'm going to take a take about you know six to eight months off and just come out here and stay out here for a while well, like I say that was yeah, three years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been here ever since just uh that's right. You came out for eight months and stayed so far for three years. We came for a year and it's been 15 and 12. Yeah, it seems to be. It either works one way or the other. You either come and stay longer or you come and then just can't do yeah. it and go home. Not, not, many, not many in the middle, I don't think. No. And, and some stay a year and decide, okay, I'm going to do two more years because I like the financial mm. benefits or I can pay off my loan. Or yeah. But yeah, not many, I don't think, are in that you know five to, to ten year range. They either stay the whole time or... You know, a couple of years and out. But I like what you said there. Well, living in the camping, in the camping car, a camping car, so Korean, <laughs> a camper or whatever. Uh, I met my wife, and I think after two months, I mean, maybe we'd only been on a handful of dates, but she really wanted to travel, and we ended up going to Indonesia to Bali for uh, about three weeks, and that was very, very into the early stages of the relationship, and that is not up my alley at all mm. but but she was really cool and we really got along well and enjoyed it that listen i was maybe around 29 at the time or 30 and i said i'm too old to be wasting time and i know that if we can travel together you know we'll be good and we went and we had a bra we had a blast and after that trip then we decided you know we, we could get married and only been a few months but same thing we've been through some testing situations and you know we didn't kill each other and we i, I knew for sure that if i can travel with someone and you know, be in all those different situations where you want to do this, I want to do that. You think this is comfortable. I think this is comfortable. If we can compromise on all those things, then by all means, I mean, this is someone I could spend my life with. So Yeah, that's probably the best piece of advice. If, you know, we talked earlier on about if you could give someone advice, I would say, yeah, before you get married, go and spend a month with that person in a really confined space and then see how well you get on because or it, I don't even think it has to be confined I just think it has to be out of your normal realm out of your comfort zone mm. and by confined I didn't, I didn't mean like in a small space it just might, <laughs> yeah. where, where one of you can't go off for right uh, just run away day, yeah. you know and just go I'm going to go yeah. shopping because I'm in a bad mood kind of thing you, you, you know it's too easy to do, to for people to do that, I think. Mm. And I mean, I've I've spent almost, yeah, probably just under four years backpacking and uh, all, all kinds of different countries. And I can't tell you how many couples I met on the road 
that end up, you know, you become Facebook friends with or whatever and end up finding out they, they split up, they split up after the trip and it makes or breaks a lot, a lot of couples, man. And you can be together three, four years and, or, or I met people on the trails, you know, wherever backpacking and say, Hey, how's it going? Well, I dumped my girlfriend six months ago and, you know, we'd been dating for five years. So I'm really experiencing, you know, life a new way now. And I think, Holy man, five years, like what, what could possibly happen? But man, anything can happen when you're in different countries with different language, food, and yeah. who who the hell knows what's going to happen next. So, I I agree. If you can do that, man, you, you got a good partner for life. Good. So, Tony, now that you've been here three, you've been here three years. You've had kind of a, a new start. You know, picked up new work, a new community. Uh, where would you Where would you say your home Your home is? Do you uh, still? I mean, even even after being here twelve years. Uh, if I'm talking to my to my dad and I'm talking about vacation, dad, I'm coming home. But, you know, when we're in Canada and I'm talking to my wife, oh, we're going home mm. next week. You know, I watch an interesting TED talk by uh, by a British a British writer. I think his name is Pico, Pico, uh, Pico something, Pico Iyer, maybe. And he he gives a, a short presentation on on the definition of home. And I think he talks about how his house burned down and he really had a sense of place in that house. And then he realized, ah, that's, that's not my home. And he, he goes into different, you know, explaining how, you know, he's very comfortable in this place and that's why this is his home. And that, and, you know, when he travels to, I think he spent some time in Japan in a, in a small one room apartment, he said, and I feel that this is my home. This is my creative space or something like this. So, um, yeah, it's hard for me to even even define home, but I was wondering if you want to take take a crack at it. Where would you consider your your home? Interesting question. Yeah. I would have um, using the word home. Yeah, the word. I whenever I talk about the UK, I always call it home. But I don't feel a bit. Or feel a bit. That's not even proper English. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like I miss miss it from that point of view because i think i think a home is wherever your life's at at one point and you're comfortable okay yeah yeah geographically speaking i spent what 53 52 years living in the uk yeah yeah. so that naturally is always going to be home it'll have a special place yeah you know my parents are still alive just um and they live there my sister is my only other sibling that lives in the UK. My brother moved to China, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. Mm. Um, my oldest son lives in Canada. Uh, my middle son lives in Strasbourg. And my daughter now lives in, in, Korea. in Korea. So yeah. it's, you know, those normal things that probably tie or tie you to thinking of somewhere as home. For me, yeah, it's, yeah. so right now it's here. And even Nate, you, you speak to that too, where you're, you know, you have your, your hometown, but then you grew up in, uh, I mean, born in Thunder Bay, grew up in Winnipeg, but now your family's scattered. So where's the... But I think Wilson's home. I mean, this is where I spent the majority of my life. I've lived here longer than anywhere else. And, you know, when I go home, the... See? The, the, <laughs> when I go home. But, but the lady the lady at the bakery knows me better than, you know, some of my friends and my aunts and, and our family friends because they've seen me from 23 to, to 39. I mean, they've seen me actually grow up, but I mean, in, in my adult life. So, so is home where you're born, or where you're, like think, you said, where you're yeah, where but comfortable. I think as a word, 
you know, so many nuances, home, right? Yeah. There's, there's home, the word home, and then the feeling home, yeah. and I think those two are totally different things. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Is just you know, home. If I say it as a word, is the UK, but it's not where as I'm a feeling. Right. Yeah. It's not where. And I'm, when the Koreans want to be, when the Koreans say, "When are you going home?" and I say, "Well." Yeah, this yeah. is my home. When am I going to my birth country or mm. my birth city or to see my family? That's whenever I can get there. But home, I mean, I'm a permanent resident here. I have family. I have roots. I have in-laws. You know, I work on the farm. I, I'm, I'm connected to Korea. I'm not just... And, you know, if, if she didn't have a, a big family or a strong family, maybe we would move somewhere else. But, yeah, I'm very well rooted here. And I, I don't... This is my home for now. Have you ever thought about a third country? Always. <laughs> yeah? Always. I just think if, you know, like we were talking earlier, retiring somewhere where your money's worth more than, than what it is here. Mm. But even for kids, you know, there, there's different options. And I think I think Europe could be great if you could make it work. If the finances and everything lined up, I think Europe would be awesome for for another language and for cultural and, and employment opportunities and stuff. I think it would be great. I like those $1 houses in Italy that they're that they're selling. Is yeah. that is that I actually uh, looked into that. Yeah. What's the what's the There's a massive catch on that. You got to have Oh yeah. You got to have money not only you got to be bringing something into the into the area. It's not just about buying the house. You got uh, to, not I actually looked at that cuz I had some uh, some investable money. I Absolutely. Thought, yeah. And well, but I think the the thing was it's you can buy the house for a dollar or whatever yeah. but then you over three years you have to put twenty thousand into it to, to renovate it yeah are yeah. the is twenty thousand enough to renovate it or is that depends on the property yeah i would it seems too good to be true i don't know if they're just trying to repopulate the the area and, and they are and all, revive it but they're also just trying to regenerate it with with cash coming in you know they want people not a, it's not they a bad want idea. people that are going to put cash into the community not there. a bad not a bad Which idea is, quite you know why yeah, not i don't absolutely. know and there there are a lot of people looking for what you had growing up and probably what i had growing up a lot slower life in the mm. in the small towns or the countryside and um you know there's a lot of city people who go i'm tired of the rat race and mm. i want to go out and slow down and just enjoy mm. enjoy life and what the world has to offer do you ever miss living in the country i mean with a, a slower lifestyle here is significantly uh, faster than but you mentioned i mean I the, the benefits the benefits of the city but yeah i I kind of do in a way. I miss, I miss um, some of the scenery, and and it's very different. You know, there's a, there's a scenery in Ulsan itself, as I said earlier on, is is amazing, but it's very different to the scenery, certainly in England. You know, it's, everything's green in England. I know trees are green here at the moment, but everything's a lot greener. It's mm. just that's what. Whenever I go back, I notice that um because it rains a lot i mean that's, that's yeah, why yeah. it is absolutely but like um, you said previously sorry to cut you off about being uh your preconceived notions were you, you didn't see what you expected here but mm. i think even though it's not green here it's a thousand times greener than i ever imagined yeah exactly yeah and within five minutes i mean we can be hiking the mountains mm. and that that's amazing like in, you know if you're downtown toronto i mean you probably have to go a ways to get out to the hills or the mountains to go for a hike. I mean, sure, there's parks and there's lots of stuff, but I mean, here you can be away from it all. I mean, I'm at the park there, mm. and in five minutes I can be in the hills and there's nothing. Yeah, I well, mean, we, you, we, you we, don't know you're in a city of a million people right, right. in the middle of town. Yeah, so. exactly. What where we live, it the mountain. You know, our apartment block is built into the side of the mountain, mm. and so it's it's a two minute walk for me to be on the mountain, and then you know up to the top of the hill to find a gym. 
That was a bit freaky the first time. It was, it was, like, it was a random bench press in the middle of the mountain. Who put yeah. a gym at the top of a mountain? I went. <laughs> my friends, my friends came. Uh, my friends came here to visit probably ten years ago now, and they they thought that was absolutely hilarious. And that who's going to climb a mountain to work out? You know, why, why are you climbing a mountain yeah. to do bench press? I, can I just, get to uh, the top of the mountain and I'm worked out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going not gonna to sit on the and on a. Leg, like you say, a leg press or something for the next 20 minutes because I'd never be back down the mountain. I'd be, be done. I'd have to live up there till I recover. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, you have a, a brother in China, a son in, in Canada. Mm. What's, he, what's he doing over there? Is he working? Is he a student? Yeah, he's, um, he used to work for a company. Well, he still works for the same company based in the UK. They do um, CGI for movies oh, and cool. things like that. Where, where in Canada is he? In Montreal. They're just... Opened an office in Montreal. Oh, I wish I would have known. I could. I was just there. Oh, there I was go. just there. Ah, cool. Very nice. Very nice. What about? Uh, and you mentioned you have a daughter who lives. Or oh, they said we'd seen her pop up on Facebook. There, poor girl lost her phone. <laughs> what? Uh, what brought her over here? Um, was dad's dad's recommendation? Not at all. Because I, I you know. <laughs> No, what happened was she came out for a holiday. She finished her university. Oh, good. And yeah, she yeah. did. She'll kill me if she hears this and I've got this wrong. But theatre design, she was into theatre costume design. So she's cool. that her, her degree was in that. Obviously, that's an industry that's it's not teeming with uh, employment opportunities. Okay. Especially more so now. But, um, yeah, so she came out for a holiday and was here for two weeks and just... Love the place. So I said, I said, well, look, you finished university. Unless you've got something lined up, why not think about coming over here and some money? Yeah. Because to do that in the UK, it's virtually impossible to do that in the UK. Pro- actually right. renting property, let alone buying property, is just out of the reach of students totally. And that's, that's why we, we reflect lots and think, how can... How can teachers still be coming here when the cost of living has gone up probably double since when we came, even even more in some in some aspects? How can they keep coming here when you can't make as much money? But yeah, when you can live for free, rent free, everything you make is just how much you're going to spend is the question. Mm. How much are you going to party and spend? But you can still save, and if you get some private work on the side, I mean, yeah, it's still very very lucrative. Lucrative. Yeah, I mean, she lives in or a, can be. Yeah, she lives in a relatively nice two room and a two room yeah. holy man oh, yeah. two rooms didn't First, exist when I came exactly you got oh. half of a one room yeah no it's you oh, know it's, it's it's okay and that apartment in the UK in a city forget you know whether it's London but a decent city that's the equivalent of somewhere like Ulsan would probably be if you were lucky five six hundred dollars a month no to cost you jeez yeah. Louise and, and this is the problem, certainly in the UK, is the cost of property is so out of line with wages. You know, even I was I was in a well-paid job and I was burning 80% of my, what I was earning, just keeping that roof. Yeah. So then you, know, you then got to have food mm. and a social life. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, good and luck that, with that. It's the same at home. Yeah. That's what we talk about lots, I think, that, and you know, when do you want to go home? When are you going home? I say, but but I can live with, you know, we, do, we don't make a lot of money here, but the taxes are much lower than home. And I think it allows you, and you, you know, you can 
pick and choose what kind of work you want to do and how many hours you want and how hard you want to work. Mm. But I think it allows for a lot of financial freedom that you just don't, I find people don't have at home. And, you know, that assumed life of, of debt or that you're going to live in debt from your first house, you know, that's two, three, four hundred thousand dollars that you don't have until the end. I mean, it's just an ongoing trying to stay afloat mm. where here I think, yeah, it allows you to have a great social life and, and you can eat out and, you can, you know, eating out is affordable and it's just much, much more affordable here. It seems for me, I don't I'm not necessarily saying for the Koreans because they complain that it's, you know. They, they, everything's expensive. They don't have enough money. But, but. Yeah, but if you subscribe to the to the uh, the ideals that I need a new pair of shoes and new shirt yeah, and, the, say, and the best car, and Louis Vuitton very, toilet paper, the very yeah. materialistic. Yeah, with if the you subscribe to brands that. and the cars and things like that. And I'm sure but, you yeah. can make it. You can make it work at home too. It's just maybe a little. Oh, uh, a absolutely, little, absolutely, you can. A little, a little. Different. Yeah, but back to what I was saying. To do to make it work at home, you have got to live in a cardboard box under a bridge because mm. property is that. I was inaccessible. I became aware of that situation in London. Uh, with me and my buddies, we traveled when uh, the same guys that thought the working out on the mountain was funny. We went. Uh, we went on a trip, and we met a psychologist. I think from from London, and he was so like psyched uh, out. <laughs> no, he's psyched out. He was he, like he was talking to us. He goes, "Man, I'm a doctor." He goes, "I make huge money. I cannot afford." To buy my own house hmm. in London, right? Because that th- this is a problem. This yeah. is a this is a problem. But yeah, what uh, what can uh, what can you do? Um, boom, 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 boom. The uh, the Ulsan foreigners market is this still uh, is this still a thing? Do we it gotta, is still a thing. Do we yeah. gotta crack the whip and get you and Kate uh, back in business? Yeah. <laughs> See, I really loved the foreigners market. Yeah, it was something that um, when I. I went to the first time I came over and I was just visiting. Yeah. And I thought, this is such a great idea. And I still think it's such a great idea. Again, yeah. I make enough money to pay for my cigarettes and alcohol for that day. Yeah. It's literally what happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I probably cover my bar tab because it's, you know, it's held in a bar. No. I'm in a bar. I'm going to be drinking. Sorry. No, doubt, That's yeah. what I do. Do you know, do you but, know how, oh, sorry, keep going. Yeah. yeah and so, you know, I, I, I usually sell out and and this is it's quite. Uh, this was something that I th- I found really good was I, I making food is great. I love making food. Inventing something which that Pastoni was just an invention. Fantastic. Yeah, but um, to then sell it to people mm. is great. But to sell it to people who then come back the next time they want because you know, they want some and yeah. they have to pay for it again. That's that's a and, and you know out of cooking that is the biggest compliment I could ever get. Yeah, yeah people can tell me, oh, this is really good, and, those, and people to tell you that that I'm paying for it. Yeah, you got to temper that a little bit. But if someone's paying for something and they're handing over their hard-earned cash, yeah, albeit not very much because it was very cheap, um, very affordable, very affordable. Uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of the biggest compliment to anything yeah. food-wise. But as I say, it was uh, it it was. It was kind of a day out. I paid. I covered the cost of my ingredients. I took my time time into it. Mm. Yeah. And that's <laughs> it's not the best paid job in the world. And if I took my bar tab into it, yeah. okay. So I got a day out of drinking for free. We used to uh, we used to do the the pulled pork and uh, and sausages as well. This is pre. Uh, we had the old garbage sausage machine. Mm. It didn't didn't do its job, and we put a lot of labor into uh, into making the sausages and the pulled pork. And I mean, there's learning from scratch how to how to make them how to mix and and whatnot 
Um, but it was the same thing. We didn't make didn't make huge money, but it was fun. It was great to go out and yeah. and provide, like you said, provide a service for the community. People were enjoying. You see lots of smiling faces. And but this that, is good, this, man. And this is the trouble now, which is what, you know, I missed the last market because I was at, in Japan because uh, I had to do a visa run. But um, it needs to be viewed as a social event. It's a social event, you know. Not a money-making event. Not a money-making yeah. event. Um, I don't want vendors to feel that they, you know, certainly don't want them to lose money hmm. because... Yeah, why would you do that? But, you know, you, you kind of have to temper it with that. You're not going to, you know, this is not going to be something that's going to earn you big bucks. And you're not retiring. Your yeah. teaching job doing the foreigner market. Or you're not retiring you on past market as well. That's yeah. just not going to happen. But it also, this is going back to what we were saying earlier on about that kind of hub of foreigners that would go to all of these events just doesn't seem to be there now mm. so you get a little cliques people that will go to one event it just it's just getting to that point now right we'll keep it going for as long as we can keep it going and as mm. long as we can get vendors because it lives and dies by how many vendors you can get absolutely you know we, we kind of set a, a, a bottom line so look if we don't have eight vendors it's not working it's not working yeah, yeah. and because you know she'll has to open the bar and mm. whatever so which he does gracefully, and mm. but you know, Shiv doesn't make a. It's it's more it's more of a, we had Shiv in here too, and it's more of a again more of a for the community get people get people out get people together exactly under, yeah uh, but, because, you know, but because those community seems to be slightly dying back mm. I think it affects every single event that gets put on. It's time to uh, time to rally the troops. Eh? Yeah, gotta... I try, but that's the thing if they all if they all start receding like that the rugby team the frisbee team yeah. I, I mean. Then you're back to ages ago when there's not, I mean, you know, everyone's kind of out on their own and, and looking for something, but mm. we've had it for so long and now maybe people take it for granted. But yeah, if, if we don't have all those things, then the community kind of falls apart a little bit, right? Yeah, but it's it's as simple as this. Your captive audience somehow escaped. Mm. It's, it's what's happened. But I've, maybe it's maybe a reason that um, that could be is people, new people coming in might view it as this is a... This has been happening for years. It will always happen, regardless if I go or not. This is going to be a thing, but it's not really true. Like it was even when we took it over for a bit. It there was a lot of work that got put into it, and without community support, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not. I mean, uh, it's not a thing. My main job is the Facebook posts and everything, and just the, that some, kind of that yeah. thing, and just try and grab people's attention, which is why they're all pretty stupid. Yeah. You know, they're, <laughs> they're funny, man. Let's yeah. try and make things up around certain food products or whatever but it's it's where do you put that you know everything seems to go out over all sun online and um and jason stopped us advertising on all sun online promoting the market yeah that's but he has his reasons yeah whether i agree or not is yeah absolutely but that's what happened in, the, in busan i mean it just it got to be too much time too much effort and not enough appreciation and, and help from the community Everybody yeah. wanted it, and nobody wanted to work for it. Mm. There was a handful of people who did hours and hours and hours of work, which made it not feasible. Because if everybody chipped in ten minutes, it'd be easy. But when you have ten people doing, you know, twenty hours each, then it's not fun for them. And everybody likes to come and enjoy it, but no one wants to, you know, help out in the background. So. Yeah, I've got no issues with with doing that. Unless the one thing I do have is is time to do stuff like that. Um, so that, that that side of it doesn't bother me. What what 
the the problem I have with it is there comes a point where you if you can't get enough people to come then the vendors don't want to waste their afternoon and their preparation right. to be involved and it's I think I think ultimately it's either going to carry on and it and get better and survive mm. or it'll be a toss up between whether the vendors crash out before you know, before who, who drops out yeah. first right. and, and it's a real shame you know despite yeah. I've only been involved with it for the last when, three uh, years two and a half years or whatever when Harry Bush started it uh, what's going to be seven years ago maybe maybe six, close to seven years ago it just the idea of it I went oh this is awesome and he he would make his pies and he had actually he had give me the the sausage machine but that was that was such a wonderful idea and when it first opened again there was a bigger group of foreigners uh there were a lot more people out in the in the shipyard a lot more engineers yeah and it was it was a really happened in place it was a good place to go on uh i think they it was still once a month but a really nice place and i hope we can uh we can uh, we can continue. We yeah, can continue I, I, it's not going to be. Maybe I'll jump back in with the pulled pork. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you should. It's not. Um, it won't be for the lack of trying. Trying, yeah, yeah. It will be the last one, sort of. Yeah. Just try and persuade people to sell and buy at it. So you, you mentioned that you have no shortage of free time. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what. Well. What okay. do you think the future has? <laughs> <laughs> Just do <laughs> twice a month market is what yeah, he's suggesting. Yeah. What What do you think the future has in store, and what do you plan on doing with all your time? I'm playing as much screen golf as I can, as much real golf as I can. I think uh, because we're, uh, as you pointed out, I've been going to be getting married in uh, December, end of December. Things will change. I'm hoping things will change. <laughs> I'm hoping my visa status will become more because at the moment i can't legally do anything on my tourist visa so um but there's not really a way of changing that visa status because i don't have a university degree behind me so i can't get a teaching Mm. e2 visa and things like that but um if i can get some kind of f visa by marrying sam because obviously she's been here for 15 years so she has a visa uh, she has an F visa? No, she's got. She's still on an E2. Oh, okay. You okay. can get a spousal visa. Yeah, oh, a spousal visa. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, okay. Hopefully that that will open at least up. legalize some of the things I do. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, I if if I can, I can get by with my limited work commitments as they are, which is a little bit of subbing every now and again for a few people that I know that go on holiday. Uh, my my one day a week job that isn't a job that I obviously just go there and do for free and uh, and they you know um, and you know a bit of cooking every now and again as I yeah. say burger night doesn't just not going to pay for my my lifestyle but yeah. it just saves it you know it, it, it helps yeah. um, and the Sunday dinner thing that we do once a month at JJ's well, yeah. that's, you know. tell me I'm curious tell me a little bit about did you golf lots at home and if so compare some of the similarities and differences I mean Wow. The Korean women, especially, are very popular on tour for the last well, five, ten years. The men, a little bit slower, maybe, but uh, also coming up. Yeah, what but are, let's be honest: the Korean women golfers are going to get way more screen time than the Korean men. But what about what about some of the similarities and comparisons, and and a little bit about the screen golf? What do you enjoy? Okay, well, go, golf, golf in the UK, screen golf doesn't exist. 
I think there's one screen golf place in in the UK. Is that because there's a lot of golf courses? Because it's much easier to play proper golf. Yeah, that's what it's and like a lot cheaper. Yeah. yeah, you know, we, there's every city is probably surrounded by. Is there is there no market for it though? I always what, screen golf. Yeah, no, because people. Comp- it's but in the winter. Yeah, I know it's crazy. After hours, it? it's crazy. Yeah. But there's lots of reasons why I've always thought, why didn't this take off in the UK? You can't bring your own soju. Well, maybe. They'd have to have a liquor license. But, the, which but again, but, but the other problem with it is what we were talking about, property costs. Yeah. Residential costs are one thing. Business costs over there for premises yeah. are just Sorry. so high. So you'd find they'd have to be charging maybe 30 bucks for 18 holes of screen golf to yeah. make it cost effective for the for the business and even then that's standard at home i think i think it's 30 dollars or 40 dollars for the the premium room or, or yeah. whatnot, per per person per 18 round right exactly round whereas round. you can go and play on a golf course okay it's outside for you know eight ten dollars so really mm, yeah we've got municipal well, courses that you yeah, can so do, so do we and they've gotten cheaper because there's a lot less people playing <laughs> golf now but mm. Um, eight dollars. Wow. Well, you can't. You, I mean, there's there's courses you can pay a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars oh, sure. yeah, if you want. True. But we're saying just if you're an average hacker that yeah, looking for a round, yeah, it's available. I always, I just, I still think there's even at home, even small towns, uh, Niagara Falls, for example. I always thought there'd be a market for it for people who finish finish work at midnight. They want to go out for a beer. Why not? You know, you and your buddy or you and your three friends want to go for want to go for a round. You spend a couple hours hanging out. It's a nice, you know, it's a, it's almost like having a meal. Yeah, you can. Now you're not eating anything, but you can have a beer. You can swing the club. It's something to do while you're while you're having a chat. You yeah, uh, it, it did baffle me for a while, but as I say, mm. certainly, I just don't think. Well, there, obviously, isn't the culture. The culture's not if there. The market right? was there. It would have been, you yeah. know, you, you can bet your life golf zone who run virtually the whole scene over here yeah. would have done a market study on different countries. Yeah. Go, should we, you know, pu- should we push into that country and start yeah. franchising out there? No doubt. And, and it just, it hasn't happened. Sorry, the, um, what now, now that you're semi-retired, you said mm. you spend your, your time on cooking, on doing the, doing the market, golfing. What do you find is your most rewarding rewarding of all uh of all of your your endeavors it depends um obviously spending time with sam's number one number two well that goes without saying obviously yeah um cooking has probably brought you the most the best in return for my investment not financially but you know yeah satisfaction headspace yeah kind of uh return i love playing screen golf screen golf is great i'm i'm unfortunately i'm not allowed to play for a month because I've got a compressed disc in my back. Which oh I've no! Been having treatment for so. Uh oh. I um I've had to take a month. Well, fortunately, it's come at a time where I'm away out of the country for one week, and I'm teaching for a week as well. So there's a two week beautiful where I wouldn't have been able to play anyway. Beautiful. But um, do you, it's green golf. I play probably three three or four times a week. Okay. Okay. And, I just love it. It's just a great game. You like the you like the actual the the sport of it. You like the 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 atmosphere you like the camaraderie with uh, with your friends all of the above I think yeah yeah I and mean, we go and play um, actual golf we've started 
making a habit of going to play real golf once a month. Nice. But playing real golf over here is just so expensive. Yeah. Right? It's ridiculously expensive. Is it, uh, is it as rushed as, uh, as um, I'm led to believe? For it's, you guys you know, good afternoon or something? Or no, we go normally. Uh, we've played like super early first tee in the morning at sort of 6.50 okay, and okay. 4.30 in the afternoon. It's because that's purely down to cost. Those are the cheaper tee times. And also in, in this weather, you don't want to be on a golf course at lunchtime because you're going to die. Good um, God, yeah. But swim, swim to the, the first hole. course we played was quite rushed and the caddy was pushing us. And I didn't like, I really like that very much because I don't think golf is not a game you want to be rushed. Especially if you're used to screen golf where yeah, you can take do whatever you want. right? Or even just playing, you know, a round of golf back in the UK, you would expect to be on the golf course for four hours on an average yeah. course. They seem to want to get people around in three hours because the more people they can get through. <laughs> super, even, super even, even a weekday in the morning? Mm. It's that, is that when yeah, all, the, all but, the ladies but, are golfing? Well, we've actually found a course that they're not not as pushy on it. Mm. There's one down actually near Jinha. And it's one of the, it's, it's quite cheap. Say quite cheap. It's about 100 and, I think last time, 140 bucks for 18 holes. That's a cheap course? Yeah. Jeez. And... But that includes your caddy and your golf cart, which you have to have. It's not optional. Uh, no, I just literally had this conversation yesterday with uh, <clears throat> with a guy that I that I exercise with, and he was saying he he golfs at a place where the caddy's not or the uh, the cart's not required. Yeah, he, he there's one. Was one near Gyeongju? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is. Um, but that's also considered a Mickey Mouse course. That's oh, the, okay, that's okay. The I think it only has yeah. nine holes. You play it yeah, twice. Yeah, it's a, a two-nine. Oh, okay, okay. Walking, walking yeah. course. It's kind of a yeah. beginner. It's almost like a par three kind of. Yeah. Okay, okay. A par three course, which is fine. Yeah, that's totally all right. And but playing the the one thing is the, the golf courses are spectacularly good. They are really good. Yeah. Not so good in um, when we started playing, which was back in what March. Yeah. Everything was. Brown. Okay, okay. And that's so that was a bit strange. He's now like, playing in a desert, yeah. <laughs> but um, but now it's all green and lush, and there's they they put a lot of money into the courses because they have to, yeah. Because there's not many, not much grass and dirt Absolutely. on a mountain, and yeah. when you're building a golf course <laughs> on the side of a mountain, you've got a lot of groundwork to put in. But it's it, yeah, it's good. Once a month, I can live with that. It's you know expensive, but as I'm saying, they don't push you quite as hard. At, the, the one out in the Jinhar as they and the one uh, we have a one we, we have a common friend from uh, from New Zealand who was saying that when he uh, when he goes he used to you know he does his warm up or his practice swing he said the caddy's just yeah just just grunting and, and huffing and puffing yeah he doesn't want and this to, is the problem see the caddies because the caddies want to get two or three rounds in a day uh, because the more rounds the caddy can get in the more money the caddy makes because they're yeah. on a set fee per round do you go to tip the caddies. You don't tip them, no, but you actually pay the caddy. Oh, okay. okay. So you'll pay. So part of your one forty goes. Well, no, you, to the caddy? It's, it's, you pay f- at the front desk for the round and the kite, kite, cart hire. Yeah. And then you give the caddy cash at the end of the round, uh, and I'm sure it's legit and everything. Yeah. And it's a set fee, isn't oh, it? Oh, okay. okay. And I'm, I'm sure if you wanted to give the caddy an extra ten an bucks, extra ten bucks. Although Korean tipping culture, they, they that strange is down so well. Yeah. yeah, but so yeah, that's how it works. Awesome. Yeah, it's, you get as good caddies and bad caddies, but literally they they want to get as many. Are they making suggestions on what? On yeah, what, what club to use? And oh yeah, proper all the time. Yeah, oh, okay. not necessarily what club, but they'll tell you the distance of the shot. So they'll say, yeah, you're one eighty. 
which because <laughs> my Korean is terrible and most caddies English is not. It's been I had some interesting times where they'd tell me <laughs> what they thought was one twenty and they'd say one eighty and I'd be like thinking. Ooh, that's 180. That's <laughs> like, right there, oh, down but British. you're the caddy. <laughs> so, I hit, so, so I'd play for 180 ocean. and I'd be like, oh, I'm that late the other side of the green because I just hit 160. Good. But, no, I don't. Yeah, I st- it's still enjoyable. Do you think you'll end up, uh, not retired, but do you think you'll end up here for a long time? Yeah. Or eventually do you plan on going back home or I, to Europe? Or? I can't see anything in the near future that's going to make me need or want to move out a lot of it depends on sam i mean you know she's the one that she's been here for 14 15 years so this is this is home for her because mm. again it's you know it's she's lived here a long long time so i just it's a case of i, I will find things to do that, that do that and, and i don't want to go back to the uk at the moment the uk is <laughs> just about to uh explode yeah <laughs> and then no. not getting any better no <laughs> doubt no, no, no. not getting into that politics <laughs> no doubt that's we'll save that for the next uh, <laughs> we'll save that for the next round there um anyways dude we want to uh we want to thank you very much for for coming out you shed a lot of a uh, lot of light on uh, on how wonderful our city our city is you uh give big props to to jj's and the in the foreigner market let's uh let's keep that going hopefully we can rally some community support let's try yeah. through uh through here and get more people uh get more people in there uh anything else nope huh? thanks a lot for coming man you're welcome wicked enjoyed it all right we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening everyone goodbye